all of that stuff, there, there's a lot of things that we love about Christmas, isn't there? There's a lot of things that I love about Christmas. I love, I love the food at Christmas time. Anybody else there with me? Food at Christmas time? Yeah. It's a good excuse for us to just overeat a little bit. That's all right. We can, we can do that. We can do that. We'll work it off when we buy gym memberships in January. But uh, I, I love the food. I love, uh, I love the music, like the music that we sang tonight. Yeah, good stuff. I love the music at Christmas time. Somebody, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and they, they were like, I hate Christmas music. I was like, you're weird. I don't, what's wrong with you? I, I don't, how do you not like Christmas music? But I love uh, Christmas music at, at this time of year. I love Christmas movies. Anybody else been watching Christmas movies? Yeah. We kind of talked about this a little bit on Sunday at the Ridge, uh, just some of the Christmas movies that I love. But I, I love watching all the Christmas movies, and so here we are just a few days out from uh, Christmas, and so we'll probably just binge on Christmas movies. I can't wait for tomorrow, because tomorrow we get to see a Christmas story for 24 straight hours. Yeah. I need some Ralphie up in the house. That's what I'm talking about. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, one of the other things that I, I really love about Christmas is I love Christmas lights. I like Christmas lights. Like I love to, I love to see the lights. I, I like to see uh, the people who work really, really hard on decorating their house. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy here, you know, on the screen there. That guy worked really hard, I think, to do that. And so uh, you've got to give him props. But if you live next to this person, then you probably do this. And if you, I don't know, some of you way in the back might not be able to see that, but it just says ditto, pointing to, uh, pointing to that. And that would totally be me. I, w- I would go that far. Or you could just do this. You know, just hang the wad of Christmas lights. You know, it's a bit of a knot, but we'll figure that out. Uh, or you could be like this one here who tried to put the word peace on their roof and spelled it with an S instead of a C. And if you're going to do the job, do it right. I mean, go, come on, Dad, you had one job, one job. You spelled it wrong, spelled it wrong. But lights are really good to look at at Christmas time, and I, I love uh, looking at uh, the lights. And if, if it was going to be me, and I'm so thankful that I have such an amazing wife because uh, she doesn't make me put Christmas lights up outside. We put them up on the inside, but not outside. But if I did it outside, like, I would want to go Griswold. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would want to break the power grid, you know, in the city to do Christmas lights on my house. But my problem is, is if, I, if I did Christmas lights like that, like I would want to get it just right. Like there would be a, a level of, of almost perfection that I would want to do because everybody would be seeing those Christmas lights. And so I would want it to look really, really great. I was uh, driving in a friend's neighborhood the other day, and uh, it was like one half of the neighborhood had Christmas lights. Like every house had Christmas lights. But then you turn the corner, and you get to the other half of the neighborhood, and it's just a black hole of Christmas spirit. You know, like, did anybody else live in that neighborhood? But, I mean, that's kind of like our house. It would be that, you know, at Christmas time. And so um, I, I would really want to do those Christmas lights well. I think, though, my problem is, is that I end up making a bigger mess of things when I try to get things just perfect. Anybody else feel that way? I, I, I feel like I, I just make a mess of things, really, uh, when I want perfection out of that. And if we're honest, that's what, uh, that's what some of our Christmas is like. That's what Christmas is like for some of us, is because what we really want is we want the perfect Christmas, 
Like we don't want the family to fight. We want the food to taste really good. We want to get just the right gift for our kids or our uh, spouse or whomever we're buying gifts for. And so we, we want like the perfect Christmas. We don't want anything to go wrong at Christmas time. We all want that perfection. But if we're real, sometimes, maybe many times, maybe even already for some of you, Christmas is just messy. It's just messy, that, and it's not perfect because there's the, the messy budget after Christmas is over with, right? There's uh, the messy relationships. There's the messy family time. There's the messy emotion. There's the messy children, and I don't mean by, like, throwing cranberry sauce over the place. I, mean, I just mean it's just hard with our kids sometimes. All part of the Christmas season for many of us. But what if instead we focused, instead of trying to have the perfect Christmas, what if instead, what if instead we sought after the perfect Savior? Instead of wanting the the perfect Christmas, we put our focus on the perfect Savior. Because it's going to be messy. Christmas, for some of us, is just going to be messy. And we might not be able to do anything about that. But the story of Christmas is that Jesus entered into the mess to rescue us all. Isn't that why we celebrate Christmas? The light of Christmas illuminates the darkness of our mess so that we no longer walk in darkness. And that mess that gets created, but walk in light of Christ. Not just at Christmas time, but really for all seasons. I love what Duchess read earlier in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says this. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Now, I don't know if you picked up on it yet or not, but that light is Jesus. It's Jesus. So I just want to spend really just the next few moments, and we're going to come back, and we're going to sing a few more songs and, and celebrate this, this birth of Christ. But I want to spend the next few moments on how we can go from focusing on the perfect Christmas to making our fir- focus on the perfect Savior. So in Luke chapter 2, if you brought a Bible, you can open it up there, but if, if not, uh, the Scripture will be on the screen over here beside me. But in Luke chapter 2 is the Christmas story. It's the story of the birth of Jesus, the one that... Probably many of us have already read at this point or will read as we get closer to Christmas Day and Christmas Eve tomorrow. But in Luke chapter 2, what we see is we see Mary and Joseph going back to where they were from. And they're going back there because as they go back to Bethlehem, as they go back there, they're going back to take the census. They need to get a count. And so in the city will be many people. The city will be overflowing with people. And there will be people from every walk of life within the city so that they could take the count for the census. And so thus you have Mary and Joseph, Mary the mother of Jesus, Joseph, Jesus' adopted father, in this town as they come together. But when the angel appears... The angel appears to people that really aren't the people that we would expect the angels to appear to. So listen listen to this. We're going to pick it up. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says this. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. You think? I think I'd be a little afraid. I'd kind of get a little freaked out by that. But here are the shepherds. And it's interesting because it says that they were filled with fear. The shepherds would have been people that weren't afraid of much. I mean, these were men who were out in the fields with their flocks. And this is where they lived. Like, they stayed out there. And not only did they stay out there, but one of their primary responsibilities was to protect the flock from predators. And so large animals, lions and bears, don't do it, tigers, oh my, I know, okay. So it, like, but like, this would be the shepherds. The shepherds were tough, tough men. They weren't afraid of much. And so when it says that when this angel appeared, that they were filled with fear, you could probably just pick up on the fact that, that something special is happening here. But it's not just that. The shepherds, the angels appearing to the shepherds was interesting because why would the angels appear to the shepherds? The shepherds were not the most liked people in the town. Remember, they lived out in the fields with the flock. They probably smelled like their flock when they came into town, right? And so they they weren't the most liked people. In fact, uh, first century shepherds were thought to be really kind of uh, the lowest class of people at that time. But yet the angel appears to them first. The angel could have appeared to anybody. Remember, the town was full of people, full of people that could have been from any walk of life. And so the the highest of society would have been in the town. The angel could have appeared to them, but chose to appear to the shepherds. And I think that's interesting that the angel appears to the nobodies to show that Jesus is for everybody. Jesus isn't just for the somebodies. Jesus is for the everybody's and it goes on listen to what happens next verse 10 it says this it says and the angel said to them fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger i love that the message of salvation was personal the angel said, born unto you, you, you and I. It's a very personal Savior. God is not a Savior who is far off somewhere. Jesus is a Savior that is close to us, that is near with us. That's why the scripture in Matthew chapter 1 says that, uh, that they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is amongst us. He is with us now. And so this message was personal and it was good news of great joy and so really quick i just want to give us two things to help us navigate the pending messiness of christmas not just for this season but for all seasons and so if you can track along with me here real quick um i hope that you'll get something from this but the first thing is this is that we need to receive the good news and we need to receive the good news the mess of christmas can really distort things for us at times Easy to to lose our focus in the mess, I think. But the good news is that Jesus entered directly into that mess. And so this announcement of the Savior coming was the announcement that Jesus was entering into the mess with us. And so no matter how distorted it can get, it always comes back to the simple yet powerful news that Christmas is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. 
And so in Matthew 1, what I was just alluding to a little earlier, Matthew 1, verse 21 says this. This is the angel appearing to Mary, I mean Joseph, appearing to Joseph. And this is what the angel says to Joseph before Jesus is born. It says, she will bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I love that, and I could preach on that all day long. In fact, I, I did just a few weeks ago. But that's the mission of Jesus. Like, if you ever ask the question, why did Jesus come? There it is right there, that he came to save us from our sins. The mission of Christ right in front of us. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on, verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's an amazing truth at Christmas time. Is that the God of the universe, that the creator of the world, the one who put light into the atmosphere, the one that put things together, the one that knows every hair on your head or every hair that's missing on some of our heads, right? Is with us. That came to be amongst us. Didn't sit up in his throne Looking down at the mess of humanity, he entered into the mess of humanity. And that's an amazing truth for us to get our heads around. And so the good news is that no matter how messy it gets, Jesus, because he entered into that mess with us and for us, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and was resurrected to save us from the mess. John 1, 5 says it like this. It says, the light, that light is Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love this metaphor of Jesus being light. Because light is a very powerful thing. And I think that we forget how powerful light is until you're a parent and you walk through your hall down your house in the middle of the night and you step on a Lego. Right? We like the light then, don't we? We want the light then because that junk hurts. Uh, the other day, actually probably a couple of weeks ago, we were in our auditorium at our church, and um, it's very dark in there when the lights are out, and so I, I'd left something in there, and so I was walking back in there uh, later that day to, to get that something, and as I walked back in there, I happened to uh, trip over a chair. Not very fun. It hurt, actually, a lot, and I probably said some things I shouldn't have said, but, hey, I just, you know, I need the light, too. And so, like, I... I, I, I step on this chair and literally fall over the chair laying in the floor and the chair falls on top of me and my ankles hurt for you know a couple of days and I'm thinking to myself man it would have been smart to turn on the light first right light is powerful it's very very powerful in fact John chapter 1 goes on in verse 14 if you skip down it says this it says and the word being Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so that's good news. The full of great joy. It's there for us to receive. And so Christmas is a time for us to receive that good news. A time for us to receive that great joy, even in the mess. And then secondly, to navigate the mess of Christmas, I would simply say this, is that we must respond. 
We've been given the good news. We've been shown the good news. We know that a Savior has been born to us, has come for us, has entered into the the mess for us. And so now we must respond to that. Whether you want to or not, we all respond to the Scriptures in one way or the other. We either accept it or we reject it. But we must respond to it. Um, How many of you like waiting on things? Nobody. Wow, that's amazing. No, I mean, nobody, will, nobody likes to wait on anything, do we? I mean, we don't like to be stuck in traffic. In fact, our bass player barely got here because he was stuck in traffic. Chris, awesome. You made it. And, but, like, nobody likes to, to wait. We, we hate waiting on things. I, I did a little Google search and looked up some of the longest wait times in the world. Uh, there's a restaurant in New York that has a 10-year wait list. Anybody want to get on that list? Ten-year wait list. Here, here's, all I got to say to that is it ain't that good. It can't be that good. Ten years on this wait list. Uh, there is a company called American Giant that apparently makes the world's greatest hoodie. It'll take you six months to get the hoodie. Six months to get the hoodie. That's got to be an amazing hoodie. I like hoodies. I don't know if I like them that much. Here's one football fans if you are a green bay packers fan you will be waiting anywhere from 30 years to 100 years to get season tickets to the green bay packers i got news for you it ain't happening it ain't happening people wait a long time for things but nobody really likes to wait the nation of israel they waited 400 years before they heard from god again when you get to the end of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, God goes silent for 400 years, doesn't speak any longer for 400 years. And so the last thing that they hear from God is that a Savior is coming, that the Messiah is coming, and then he goes silent, lights out, darkness, 400 years. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. Generations pass, and they still wait. And so listen, when the angels show up to the shepherds and they proclaim and announce to the shepherds that a Savior has been born, you can only imagine what the shepherds would do. They responded. And they responded in the only way that I think many of us should respond. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love verse 16. It says, And they went with haste. That means that they ran. They didn't wait. They ran. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so they ran to see the Savior for themselves. They went with haste. And then once they got there and they saw him for themselves, they told everybody about Jesus. Everybody who asked, they told them about it. I love that. A lot of us right now at Christmas time, we're running, aren't we? It's two days before Christmas. You know, really, this day is pretty much done, and so you got a day left. If you've not finished your Christmas shopping yet, uh, that used to be me, and now I just laugh at you. You're funny, okay? I love watching you because you're funny. But 
Uh, we're doing a lot of running right now. I mean, even, even not just like now, like the running probably started for many of us in this messy Christmas stuff started, you know, a, a while back, you know, with the, the shopping, you know, the family get-togethers, you got to go here, then you got to go there, and then you got to go here, and you got to go there, and you got to go, you know, you got to go everywhere, right? So you got to go see the family, and then you got choral concerts, you got band concerts, you got sporting events, you got all that stuff going on, right? Dance recitals. So we're all running right now. Every single one of us, we're running. But what if, but what if we ran to Jesus first? Instead of getting lost in all of that mess and, and trying to do all of these things to make sure that, that everybody has the, the perfect Christmas and that we have the perfect Christmas. And, and I'm not saying that we don't do those things. What I'm saying is that instead of doing those things in haste and doing those things to just create a bigger mess, what if we just ran to Jesus first? What if our focus was, instead of the perfect Christmas, our focus was on the perfect Savior? I think we would find that joy that we've been seeking, and our response would be much different, much like the response of the shepherds. Because the shepherds were running to rescue. A Savior has been born to rescue us from the mess. He stepped into the mess to rescue us from that mess. Now, when I was a teenager, I um, was on a mission trip, and we were building houses, uh, and I w- happened to be on part of the crew that was on the roof of this house, uh, taking parts of the roof off. It had an old tin roof, and so we were taking the, the tin off of the roof, and it had gotten down to the last piece of tin on the roof. And I was the lucky one to actually get to take this last piece of tin off of the roof. And so I did probably what most teenagers would do. And I actually sat on the piece of tin. And I took the last nail out of the tin. Now, if you've ever been on a roof, you know what happens next. Because there's felt on the roof. And felt is very slick. And so I went surfing down the side of the roof. And this was a very high roof with a very, uh, very steep pitch on the roof. And so I'm literally sliding off of the roof of this house. And I, I, I'm not making this up. I'm really just bracing for impact. Like I'm waiting to hit the ground below. And as I go off of the side of the roof in midair, couldn't make this up, in midair, one of the adults that happened to be on the roof with us reached down and literally snatched me out of the air, grabbed my arm, and held on to me, and pulled me back up to the roof. You see, for some of you, that's what life is like right now. Is you're sliding. You're heading off the roof. You're going quickly. The marriage is not working out. You've got messy uh, issues with wayward children. The finances are crazy right now. You don't know if you're going to have the house that you're in when we get to January. Life is tough. It's messy. And Christmas, when it enters into everything else, it just seems to magnify things and get a little messier. And so for some of you, that's where you're at right now. You're just literally sliding off of the roof. But here here is the good news of Christmas. Is that because Jesus entered into that mess with us, 
He is the rescue for us. As we're sliding off of the roof, he reaches down and snags us and holds us. And listen, I'm just going to be straight with you. I don't know if other pastors will tell you this, but I'm just going to be straight because I feel like that's what I have to do. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to work out to be rainbows and unicorns for you doesn't necessarily mean that that because Jesus is here that he's automatically going to fix the marriage or that he's automatically going to save the house or that he's automatically going to to bring our wayward children home but here's what it does mean it means that he's with us that he's there amongst us and that is perfection I don't know of any other way to perfect Christmas except for to focus on a perfect Savior. That's why we celebrate Christmas anyway. It's what Christmas is for. It's what it is all about. The shepherds knew that rescue had come and they responded the only way that we should to someone who would give up their own life to rescue us with undignified worship and response. A Savior has been born to us. And so the question is simply this. How will we respond? Will it be with great joy? Or will it be with resistance? Do we still want the perfect Christmas? Or do we just want a perfect Savior? We're going to sing another few songs here, but as we do that, I just want to encourage you to to take a moment to respond. There are many of you here tonight, you're believers, you're Christians, and you know about this perfect Savior. Like you, you, You're looking and trying to focus on the perfect Savior. And so here we are for the next few moments. There's minimal distraction. You're already here. So as we sing these last two songs, can I just encourage you to respond in such a way that you worship, that you celebrate the perfect Savior, that you put the messiness of Christmas aside for a little bit and just focus on the perfection of our Savior. Others of you who may be responding for the first time. You, you, you've heard the story. You've celebrated Christmas. You've done all the things. You've been to church maybe even. Maybe you've even done a lot of churchy things. But you've never responded in the way that the shepherds responded in worship. Would you consider today to respond for the first time and reach out to a God that has come for your rescue? Acts 17, 27 says that God is not far from each one of us. I love that. It means that he's amongst us, that he's with us. He proved that he wanted to be close to us by him coming to dwell with us. So tonight is a great time to stop seeking the perfect Christmas. Maybe even to stop seeking after the perfect life, after the perfect circumstances, but instead to reach out to a perfect Savior. 
Maybe tonight is the time that for the first time in response that you just accept him as Savior. Let me pray for us. Would you join me? Father God, God, we thank you that you are our creator, God. That you are our Father. God, that you sent us rescue in Jesus. And God, during this season that, God, we go beyond the baby Jesus, Father, and and we even look to the cross, God, where our salvation was sealed. God, where our debt was paid for. God, where our rescue happened. So, Father, we thank you for a perfect Savior who lived a sinless life, who gave himself up as a ransom to pay for the debt of our sins, who was resurrected. God, and we, as we celebrate the first advent of his coming, God, we look forward to his second advent as he returns. And so, Father, we respond in worship. The only way that a Savior deserves responded to. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and sing with us this last song? And as you do that, I just encourage you to continue to pray to continue to to worship and to seek after him. And as you do, that you just respond in the way that you feel God is calling you to respond. Thank you.